I hear this song, and uh, if you know where I've came from and you know my life, and to know that I'm on the stage right now and about to be preaching in front of you, uh, you would truly know how in awe I am of God. And uh, to have this opportunity this morning, it is a privilege and it is an honor to be in front of you. And I thank each and every one of you to come out. And, and for me, this truly is only because of the power of God that I'm on the stage right now. So I thank you all for coming out. And, and God's given me a message that I would like to share with you all this morning. And it's something that's been on my heart. It's something that actually has affected me more than I've even realized in my life. And I'd like to share that with you all. So uh, as you all are still standing, if you will, go ahead and take out your Bibles. Uh, we're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. And for those of you who know what this is, and some of you is about to figure this out, this is very cliche because I am the children's pastor here at Temple, and I'm about to be preaching on David and Goliath. So uh, that's, a, that's a big children's sermon. Uh, how original and creative, right? But uh, I promise you I'm bringing you something that um, God really showed me. And it's, uh, it, like I said, it's something that I've, I've been able to deal with. And, and through this, I want to tell you right now that uh, this has helped me uh, be able to get up here on stage and preach today, uh, probably than any other sermon, and uh, I do believe that that's why God has asked me to do this, because not only is it helping me, but I do know this is going to be helping each one of you. So um, I would ask that as I'm up here that you pray for me and help me, but also be praying for those around you, because uh, we all have our different burdens and we all have our different things that we are faced with, so it's always good when we lift each other up. But uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 4, if you're there, say Amen. I've always wanted to say that. Now I finally get to, right? All right, so here we go. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, and he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass, and he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him, and he stood and he cried out in the armies of Israel and said to them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye are servants to Saul, choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall you be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Dear God, I just come to you this morning. God, I'm in complete awe of who you are. God, and I, I thank you so much for the opportunity that I have to be here on stage. But more than that, God, I thank you for the opportunity to just be your child, to be loved by you. And God, I pray right now that you touch me. But God, more importantly, I pray that you touch these people in this auditorium here, God. I know that we all battle and we all struggle with different things, God, and I'm going to be talking about something that I believe you want us to hear. So more than anything, God, I pray that somebody in here has a changed life, and it's nothing because of me and what I'm saying, but God, it's all because of you, and God, I pray that you speak through me, God. Give me the words I need to say, God. Remove the words that I don't need to say, God, and help that everything that's done in this, play, uh, in this place to ultimately glorify and honor your name. God, we love you so much, and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.
All right, so as I mentioned, um, I'm Josh Stansel, and I'm the children's pastor. Uh, I was talking with some people about this and just thought it'd be kind of funny if I came out here with like a cart with like bubbles and like hula hoops. Like we don't even do that up there, but just to be funny. Uh, So I didn't. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I love bubbles and I think it would really help me more than anything. But uh, I'm the children's pastor and I love what I get to do. I absolutely love being able to be with the children because there's, to me, there's nothing like being able to watch a child grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's nothing like it. And for me, uh, that's where I am. That's my place. That's, that's where I love. And, um, and that's one part of who I am. But there is another part of who I am, and I'm going to share that with you. Um, a lot of guys out there I'm about to lose some credibility with, and that's okay. Uh, some of you already know the other thing that is really big in my life, and uh, so I'm going to share that. And the reason I'm going to share it with you is it helps me to be able to tell this story today. Because I was able to see a lot of things through this and working with different athletes that, um, that I see something. Um, The other part of who I am, I've I've got a picture. I've got a picture up here. Um, Maybe. I am a cheer coach. I don't know how many of y'all knew this in here. I am a cheer coach. So a lot of y'all may have no idea. I own a cheerleading gym. Me and my wife, we own a cheerleading gym. Some of you are like, for real? What is this? But no, this is uh, last year's team. This is three teams. And we also have a special needs team that was not in this picture. But this is three teams here, and we have all different age. My daughter's right here. This was her first year. She's right down here close to the center. Uh, Brooklyn, I love her to death. And then all of us and my wife and another coach that we had at the time. Um, but the reason I share this side of me is I've been able to see um, a lot of things through, through dealing with this. And a lot of things that I don't think I would have ever realized if it weren't some of the athletes. Um, and the main reason, like, like the cheer thing, I didn't do that in high school. I played football. So hopefully I got some of that credibility. But I was tough and, you know, played football. But um, it was more for my wife, and it, it was a goal for her and a dream for her, and we were able to, I was able to make this happen. We, we worked together, and we were able to make it happen. Um, and, and moving through all this, I was able to see God just work amazing things. And for me, this is a ministry. This is a ministry because every child that walks through that door understands that we believe in God, and we, we, we talk about Jesus so much. We have times of prayer. So for me, this is a ministry, okay? And... Um, I say all this because I'm going to use some illustrations, so now you all understand, like, if I start talking about cheer, this is why. Um, So, uh, here we go. Great start so far. Yeah, this guy cheers. All right, so, uh, the title of my message today is Nothing to Fear But Fear Itself. Nothing to Fear But Fear Itself. And some of you have heard this line before, okay? And some of you may know exactly what this line comes from. And for me, there's another part of this. Um... The part I'm not going to be talking about, this is a Golden Girls episode. Nothing to fear but fear itself. So we're not going to talk about the stories of Blanche and how crazy she is today. Sorry. Um, but we're actually uh, we're going to be talking about nothing to fear but fear itself. And this was a line that was shared by FDR, President Roosevelt, in a time that the, uh, our nation uh, economically was in the worst state it's ever been. And what you had, just like you have today, you have a media that was just making things worse. And you had people who were just talking about how messed up our nation was, how there was no hope, there was, everyone's fearful. So FDR came out in his inaugural address and said, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And basically the premise behind this is that the economy's going to be fine. We're going to work through this, we got this, and there may be some choice things that you may not be agree with of how they got out of it, but the point is, is they were going to get out of it. As a nation, we were going to be fine, but the, the way we're not going to be okay is if you allow this fear to build up within you, 
and you prevent it from allowing us to get better as a nation. And so what he was saying is the only thing we need to be afraid of is you being afraid. And I think for us as Christians, as people in this world, is a lot of times it's all it is. There's nothing to fear. The thing that's in front of you, you shouldn't be afraid of because you've just created that yourself and it's just fear. So today we're going to talk about that there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And uh, whenever I preach and I do things and I'm upstairs, one of the things that I really, uh, when I study and I do things, is I really like to understand what words are. I think words are important and I think you don't fully understand the grasp of what's happening if you don't understand words. So I'm going to share with you definition of fear. It is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. It's also the likelihood of something unwelcome happening. And sometimes the fear we avoid or put off doing something because one is afraid. And then with fear, I think we can tie in that anxiety. That anxiety is what, when fear is created, that anxiety is just what builds up. And we keep creating this, this bigger and bigger thing. So anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Okay? So I'm going to be honest with you right now. I'm nervous. I'm afraid. Okay? And, and sometimes we are. Um, but I'm going to share with you some things of how I'm getting through this message right now. And I think it's going to help a lot of you. So what I want us to see in, in, in the story, if we go back to verse 4, and we start looking at Goliath and we see what's in, uh, uh, we, we go to Israel and we see what's in front of him and it's, it's this Goliath. And, and what we start seeing is as we, I'm going to ask you all to use y'all's, y'all's imagination. Okay, I know some of you, maybe it's been a while since you used it, uh, but it's something I ask all the kids to do. I know you still have it. But it says his height was six cubits in a span. He had a helmet of brass. He was armed with a coat of mail. He had 5,000 shekels of brass. He had all this stuff on his shoulders. And so what we start seeing right in front of us is something that, yeah, he was a big guy. But as we start reading this, we just add bigger and bigger and bigger things. And before we know it, yeah, he was a big guy, but now he's a monster. And think about how many times you've told the story of Goliath. I mean, now in our heads, we think of a giant that's like this big when really you study and he's like nine feet tall. Yeah, it's really big, but not quite what we've put in our heads over the years. And so for this army, what they've done is they've created a man. They have this man in front of them and they've built him because of fear. They have built him into this monster. And so see what happens in front of them is what was once reality is now distorted. That fear creates a distorted reality. And so many times in our life, that's what happens. We get something in front of us, a fear, and we take that one thing and it builds, and it gets bigger, and it gets bigger, and our reality is distorted. So our first point this morning is fear creates a distorted reality. It's not true. Yeah, he was big. Yeah, he was a warrior. But it wasn't as big as what they've made it into their minds. It's not as big as what they made it into their minds. And... Um, I share with you, I'm going to share some stuff from, from a cheer stuff. So we're going back there. Yeah, I know. Um, there is this uh, uh, part of what I get to do. I, I don't really teach the cheers. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. And please don't come up to me after service and do this. My least favorite cheer of all times is two bits, four bits. I mean, it's the dumbest thing in the world. What is a bit? Why do you want two, four, six, or any bits? It's, it's dumb. And my wife knows this, and she always gives me a hard time. But I don't really do the cheer stuff. The rah rah re. I'm not into, but one thing I am into is I get the opportunity to help teach stunts where girls go up in the air and, and do that. And the other thing is teaching techniques of flips, 
uh, twists, all kinds of fun stuff like that. And I'm pretty good at it, I would like to think. And um, so I get the opportunity to do that. And I get the opportunity to teach one-on-one. Because a lot, of, a lot of times, these athletes need more than just a typical class. Because they have this fear in their head that may be wrong, it may be true. But my job is to fix that and help get them through it. So I get to deal with a lot of girls that have mental Uh, They call them mental blocks. I hate the term, but they have mental blocks. And so they can't get through something because they have fear. So there's this one girl that I was talking to, and she's done this skill I don't know how many times. She's a phenomenal athlete. Okay, she's super tall when she tumbles and she gets up off the ground. I'm not even lying. When I go to spot her, I'm like this high. Like this is how high she is, and it's not an exaggeration. That is her. And one day I'm talking to her, and this was actually I think this past week, is I was talking with her, and I'm like, hey, I really need you to, to get this full. I'm going to have to have this for our team. And for those of you who don't know, a full is where you do a backflip but twist and land at the same time. Okay? So she's like, I, I, I just can't do it. I'm like, yes, you can. You have done this before. Nah, I'm just not feeling it today. I'm like, that's not how tumbling works. It's not just like you don't feel it. Like, that's like me waking up like, I need to walk, but I'm just not feeling it. I mean, well, actually, I have been there. That's nap time, right? But uh, she just wasn't feeling it. And I was like, no, there's more to it. What is it? She's like, I'm afraid. And I'm like, what are you afraid of? Well, what, what if, like, I go in the air and I just stop? I said, okay, you fall, you get back up, you do it again. Well, no, no, but, like, what if I fall and land on my neck? I'm like, okay, you land on your neck, you get back up, and you do it again. But no, Josh, what if I fall, I stop, I land on my neck, and I break my neck? I'm like, well, there is that. Um, and so before we're, I mean, what started as a little bit of fear, she's grown it into this thing of, I'm going to fall, break my neck, and what if? And a lot of times in our lives, that's what we deal with. We deal with the what ifs. We allow our reality to change from what it is, because if I'm honest with you, this girl, for as long as I've worked with her, has never came close to the ground. She has never stopped midair. She has always completed everything she's done when she's tried it. But for her... What if? And I think that's, that's what happens. It's, it, it goes from where we have this giant in front of us and we create this big thing to then where it's now this impossible thing we cannot overcome. Impossible thing we cannot overcome because now for her it's like there's no way I can do this. There's no way I can get through this. And how many of us in our lives have been in the same situation? We've had something in front of us. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's a doctor report that we're really not wanting to face. And we've grown it into something else. I mean, forbid you go look at WebMD, by the way. Oh, and I know this has probably been shared up here before, but like, I had, a, I had a cut on like my elbow, and I'm dying in three days from something. So don't do WebMD, all right? Um, but, that's, but that's what we do. We, we, we take something little, and we grow it, and, and it's something that we can't overcome. We don't want to deal with it, and we don't want to face it, Because we think we can't overcome it. And then what you may not be aware of about this story of the Israelite army coming against the Philistines is three chapters earlier, God had delivered them out of the hands of the Philistines. They had just accomplished something great. And because they see this and they've built it up, all of a sudden they're like, we can't do this. There's no way. And the same thing for this girl that I'm telling you about. Literally, probably thousands of times she's thrown that skill, and now all of a sudden, nope, I'm going to break my neck. It doesn't work like that, but that's what fear does. It it changes our reality of what is, and it's a whole idea of what ifs. 
What if this happens? Oh my gosh, what if? And that's not how we're supposed to live. We will never succeed if we live like that. But that's what fear is. And isn't it so bizarre how it just does that to it? It literally debilitates us and paralyzes us and causes us either not to do things or to react in a, in a wrong situation and handle it wrong. So then how do we do that? But not only does it create a distorted reality, but it creates discouragement. This fear changes our idea of what is, changes it to what if. And it leaves us in a, in a state of discouragement. And if I go back to the last verse I read in, in verse uh, 11, it says, When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, we all know what it means to be greatly afraid. We've been afraid since we were babies and toddlers, and we grow up, and we learn what being afraid is and, and doing that. But dismayed, I came across this word, and I'm like, dismayed. And a lot of times I'm going to be like, yeah, I know what that is. I use my context clues that I learned back in kindergarten or whatever that was. But, again, I like words. So I'm going to define this word for you, dismayed. Dismay means to break down courage completely. This is directly the definition. Break down courage completely completely and depress the spirits or resolutions so for this israel army this israel nation all of a sudden they went to a state of we have no courage there is nothing we can do our spirits are shaken and there is no hope there's no resolution there's no way absolutely no way we're out of this and that's why the army essentially freezes no one comes forward no one moves and no one acts because they were dismayed their courage was broken down completely. I'm going to share something with you, and I thought about this this morning. My mom is over here in the, uh, in the service, and so sorry if you get mad at me, but I'm sharing something. Sorry, I'm on stage. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I remember a point in my life um, when I was younger, uh, probably uh, teenage years, but I remember a time, I, and I remember it vividly. And I remember a time that my mother was completely broken down and dismayed. And I think I'd be safe to say that most everyone in here has been to that point. Okay? That we've been completely broken down and we've been completely to that point of where we don't know what we're going to do. And my mother's been to that point. My mother was a single mother and raised me and my sister. And I remember seeing her, and, and as tough and strong as she was, sometimes you just can't hide it, you know? Amen. Especially if you're a child and you get to see this. And it was no fault to her. I mean, you're alone and you're to that point. You, you can't help but be to the point that she got to. And I remember her just being broken down and, and doing everything she can. And just coming to that point of, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I have this in front of me, and I have this in front of me, and I have this in front of me. How am I going to overcome it? And I remember her to that point. And I remember as a child seeing that. And honestly with you, I'm glad that I saw that because I'm able to see the woman she is. But I'm here to share with you that she's no longer there. That, that because of her faith in God and because of how God has blessed her and brought her out of it, she is now in a point that she's no longer there. And me as a child, I'm able to see how God can work miracles and how God can move. And as much as she was completely broken down in courage, as, as much as she did, no longer had spirits, how she was literally in a point where she had no idea how anything was going to get better. Honestly, it, 
It didn't matter. Because thank goodness for a Savior that's there for us. But that's what fear does to us. That's where fear drives us to. And I think from reading this and, and seeing what I'm about to go next, that there would have been points in her life that maybe it wouldn't have been a, a, as bad if she had taken a different direction. And I'm going to show you that right here. And it's no fault of her own. That's just how we get to. And that's what fear does is it literally debilitates us where we do not make the decisions maybe that we need to make. But not only does it bring us to being dismayed, it makes us feel inadequate. Fear will drive us to the point where we are an inadequate. We feel inadequate. We feel like we can't do this. And there's another girl on my team, and it's actually the reason that I realized how prevalent fear was and what we deal with. And this girl, I actually, I told her, I'm not going to use her name, but I told her, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach about you. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And I don't know if she was more surprised because I get to be on stage preaching or that I'm going to be preaching about her. So uh, I told her, I said, I'm going to be preaching, I'm, I'm gonna be preaching about you. She's like, really, about what? And I said, you'll just have to check it out. Um, but one of the things that I, that I always share with this, and, and it's a question that I ask her every time that I see her. And the question I do is I walk up to her and I say, hey, how good are you today? How good are you? And I've yet to get a response, and I don't think she understands this, but we're going to work through it. But I want her to res- be a response as I'm completely adequate, I'm completely ready. I am ready to do whatever you ask me to do. And that's the point she needs to get to. And that's a point that we need to get to as Christians, as followers of God, is we need to get to that point when, when God asks us, how good are you? Yeah, God, I'm ready. Because I have you. But fear drives us to the point where we feel inadequate. Because if I can tell you the story about this girl, she could probably be the best tumbler I have in my gym. But the problem is, she has allowed a few failures and a few things where she has been faced with fear to allow her not to not only do the thing that she's working on, but it has prevented her from doing things that she has done for so long. So when I'm like, okay, well, let's not worry about this. Let's do this. I just, I just don't think I can do that today. I'm like, yes, you can. We've done that. I just, I just don't feel like I can do this. And for us, when we're faced with that fear, I think that's where it, that's where it takes us. Because God gives us something. God has something in front of us. And we, we create this giant. And it's bigger and it's bigger. And then all of a sudden, we're... We're left with a, a, a giant in front of us. We don't know how we're going to overcome it. We're discouraged. We're completely broken down. We're without hope. And we just say, there's, there's no way. I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not ready for this. I just can't handle this. And sometimes we just throw up our hands. Like, I can't do this. This isn't for me. I can't do this. And if I, <laughs> I wasn't going to share this, but I guess I will, because that's what happens when you get on stage and God tells you to. Um, <laughs> so I got a call, I got a call Thursday. Dustin says, hey, do you want to preach Thursday? Uh, uh, <laughs> like you just forget how to talk, I guess. And I'm like, um, I'll pray about it. I'll call you back. <laughs> that's my response. I'm going to pray about it. <laughs> I was scared out of my mind. Okay, like I get to deal with kids upstairs and I've had a few opportunities. This is my first time on stage. Okay, so when he asked me, you want to preach? Yeah, sure will. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, I was afraid. And honestly, I'm going to share with you the the, why I said I'm going to call you back is one. I just had to I had to get a true perception of, of what is. But honestly, I felt inadequate. I mean, let's get real. I'm following brother Malcolm (laughs) okay and I'm also going to share something that made it made it even better is we went and we actually prayed at a gentleman's house and we got we had worship inside his house it was amazing 
And the preacher's like, he just opens up his Bible, like, just all casual. Like, he's, I'm just going to share a couple words. And, like, just blew me away, opened up in a home, talking about revelations. And I'm like, great, this is what I follow. He's in a house, and i got to be the whole main stage. But for me, I felt inadequate. That's where that fear was driving me to. Is I just felt inadequate, like I couldn't, I couldn't do this. But I'm going to be honest with you, that's not, the, that's, not the tr- that's not the truth. That's not where we're at. And one more thing I'm going to share with you before I bring the hope and everything that I really want you to understand. Is not only do we get discouragement um, from ourselves and from the fear that's driving us, but it also will cause fear from others. Fear from others around you. I'm going to, I'm going to share with you what I mean by this. Uh, if we jump in, we're still in the book of uh, 1 Samuel. And we're going to jump over to verse 26. Over to verse 26. And what's happened at this point is, is Goliath has made his big cry out. And he's, he's, uh, he's threatening everybody and, and doing all this. And we have David, a shepherd's boy, that, um, that is taking care of his sheep, taking care of his flock. And his father comes to him and says, hey, I need you to go check on your brothers. Okay, go check on your brethren. They're out, they're battling, they're at, I, I need you to go check on them. So David agrees, and David tends to his flock. And what's cool about this is David makes sure everything is taken care of, and then leaves. What a man of God there. And it says, And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, so, so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And this is where we're at. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride, and I know the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down, that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What? Have I now done? Is there not a cause? So what we see here is David's coming out and he starts asking questions. He's like, who is this Philistine? And why is he talking bad about God's army? And what happens to the man who kills him? And Eliab, his older brother, basically looks at him and says, what are you even doing here? I know your pride, you're not. You're just coming over here to see some bloodshed and to see a battle. He's like, you'd be better off to go take care of your sheep than you would to be here right now. And so, see, what David was doing is David was stepping up in courage. But then his older, oldest brother looks at him and basically says, you're unworthy. Brings some discouraging words and says, you would be better off over there than you would right here in this moment. And this is his oldest brother. And then if we jump a little further, and, and some of y'all already know the story, but just y'all can, y'all can hang out with us. And it says in verse 31, And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for them. So basically all these men told Saul, and Saul called for David and said, I want to I see this, this man David. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And this is what Saul said. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, because thou art but a youth, and he is a man from his youth. So you have David here. There's nobody in this army that's willing to step up in this moment. Nobody. They've had an opportunity. Not even Saul, the great leader. Saul was probably the biggest guy here in this camp. He is the leader, and he is not even willing to step up right now. But David, a shepherd boy, comes up and says, listen, I don't want their hearts to be troubled because of this. I will go and fight. And Saul comes to him like, you're not going to be able to fight. You're young. 
This guy's been fighting since he was young. There's no chance you have. And when we're faced with fear and we're faced with things, there's sometimes in our life that when we're being faced with something, we go to other people and we get more discouragement from them. And for me in my life, again, I'm going to share my cheer thing. Some of you are just thinking, good gosh, get off the cheer thing already. But when we were first starting this gym, uh, in the moment, it was more of my wife's uh, dream plan and something that she felt God wanted her to do. And for me, it was just being, trying to be a good husband and make sure that she had that. But there was people that was close to us that really just didn't think it was a good idea. They did not think that this is something that we should be doing. Yeah, we were a year into our marriage, but I mean, it's one of those things God's calling you to do something, you act on it. And for us, that's what we were doing. And, and if you know the story, you can see how door open after door open after door open. And God was literally just providing a way for us to be able to do this. And we saw every moment of that. But there was some close to us that was like, no, you don't need to do that. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if that happens? And so that little bit of courage we had was being broken down. And honestly, for us, we were left in a point of, are we really going to have to do this by ourselves? Are we really going to be alone in what we're doing? And for us, that, that little bit of fear that we had was exponentially increasing because those around us were fearful. And that's what fear does. And, and, and in the story, and just like those close to us, I know every bit of that was fear for, well, fear for us in that situation, but fear for David. Eliab, his oldest brother, listen, if my brother came up to me and said, listen, I'm going to go to battle and war. Yes, I'm going to tell him, listen, come on, let's get real. And not only that, if you look at the story, Eliab was the eldest. He was a warrior. David wasn't. So David's like, yeah, I'm going to fight. And Eliab's like, no, you don't need to do that. Now, I think there were some other things in this story that was causing him to be angry. But I truly do believe that the fear of David's life is why he was saying no. And the same way with Saul, I think Saul literally felt fear for David's life. And that's why they were saying no. But Saul had no one else. And thank goodness for David's courage, because I'm going to be honest with you. I've been in this moment. I just share with you my story of how I've been in this moment. And there's been other things besides just the gym. There's been uh, uh, financially, there's been things in relationship where you're just literally to that point of, I don't know what I'm going to do. I really don't know what to do. And I shared that story with my mother where you were literally to the point of, I have no idea how I'm going to get out of this. I have no hope. I, I, and then the worst thing when you're in a hopeless situation is to feel alone. Is to feel alone. Like, I'm here by myself. And if I can't get out of this by myself, what am I going to do? I have no one to lean on. I have no one to trust in. But thank goodness that David understood our next point. So not only does fear create a distorted reality, not only does fear create the discouragement in us, but fear creates an opportunity to remember him. And by him, I mean God, I mean Jesus. Fear brings us to that point. And sometimes that's the only thing that'll do it. Because too, uh, too many times in our life, we want to do things by ourselves. We're tough, and we can do it, and we can make it through everything. But fear will bring us to an opportunity to remember him, and how grateful I am for that. Because what I want to share with you 
is we need to remember what he has done for us. We need to remember what he has done for us. I shared with you that these, this Israelite army, three chapters earlier, chapter 14, you can go back and read it. Jonathan and his armor bearer was out, and they were just slaying some Philistines. The Philistines arose, and their army was great. And God sent an earthquake to take care of these people. Yeah. An earthquake. God delivered them out of the hands. But when they were faced with fear, they, couldn't, they, they forgot about it. And honestly, I'm, I'm really excited that they did forget about it. And the reason I say that is because if they, because they forgot about it, we're able to see David step up and we're able to follow what David did in this situation. And if David hadn't have done that, then I probably would not have many children's sermons. <laughs> All that rise just to get back to the children's stuff. But no, seriously, David wouldn't have been able to model what we're supposed to do in the time of fear. So we need to remember God for what he has done. So we're gonna, I'm going to read a few more verses, and we're going to be wrapping up here. And it says in verse 34, David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And when I went after him, and I smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth, he arose against me. I caught him by the beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant... Slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. David was not afraid at any point in this time because he remembered what God had already done for him. And I think in our lives, when we're faced with that fear, that's the only thing that we need to do is to face God, to come to God and remember everything he's always done for us. But not just what he's done for us, but what he's done for so many other people over the course of time. And I'm so grateful for a God that will work in the crazy. Because if you look at this story, if you look at this story, he said, there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him. How many crazy people goes after a lion? I mean, a lion came and took his sheep, and he goes after them. I mean, I understand you got a job to do, and you're all excited about your job. And I guess as I'm sitting here now, my job is for children, so I guess if a lion got a child, that I would go after that lion too. But my point is, he went after a lion. And I don't think it was he was crazy. I think he fully trusted in God. And what God's plan for him was, his plan was to take care of those sheep. That was his job. And because that was his job and he knew it was given by God, he didn't care. He went after that lion. He, sh he saved that sheep. And when that lion came up against him, he grabbed him by the beard. What kind of man that, whoosh, got that. What's up now? I mean, but that's God. That's not David. David's a little shepherd's man, a little boy. But he did that because of God. And the whole time he's remembering what God has done for him. So when you're in that place of fear, when you're debilitated, when you're paralyzed, when all you can see you are blind because of the fear in front of you, I'm going to tell you right now there is a creator who loves you. There is somebody who is there for you and, and will lift you up when you're paralyzed. When you are blind, he will heal your sight and be able to let you see what true reality is. Because that's what God has done. But not only do we remember, need to remember what God has done, but we need to remember who he is. Amen. 
He is our creator. He is the one who loves us. He is the one who sets our plans before us. He is the one who has already gone before us. He has given us everything in this world that we will ever need. And that is who he is. And that is who he is. But not only that, the, the last thing here is remember what he has done. Remember who, who he is. But remember his unending love for us. His love never fails. Never fails. Never fails. So my last bit of scripture here that I want to read to you. It said David approached the Philistine. He went straight up to this fear. Looked at it right in the eyes. And he came to the Philistine. And it says, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day, it hasn't happened yet. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and I will take the head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. This, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with a sword and a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. David remembered every bit of what God has done for him. And he knew that God was on his side, and he knew that God would help him then. And that's how God is. God is all-powerful. God loves you deeply. And his love never fails. So when you are in that moment, and, and I use my imagination a lot, and that's what I try to get our children to understand so they can, they can picture this and really understand what it means. But I see me, and if we want to take the, the, the preaching idea and how that fear was in me, I basically had to take it right. I had to approach it, and I had to come to that fear and approach it head on. Yeah. And you know how I approached it? With God. Amen. And I went to God, and I said, and, and this is every bit the truth, I went to God, and I said, God... I can't do this. I know I can't do this. But God, I am okay with that. Because I know you can. And the reason I'm even able to be here right now is nothing that I've done. It's all because of what you've done where you've brought me to. And it's the same way with each and every one of you in here. I know that everyone in here has dealt with fear before. And some of you may be dealing with fear right now. And if we follow the model of David, David went right up to that fear right in the face and said, I am going to get through this because of God. God will deliver you, and that's what he will do with your fear. So please, I pray that this has helped somebody today. I pray that you, you realize that in the moment that, that fear is started, when you see that fear, that I pray that you do not allow it to build into some giant. Because perspective... Is amazing. Perspective is amazing. I said I wasn't going to share another uh, verse, but I'm going to. Verse 26. He was saying, What shall be done to this man that killed this Philistine and take away the reproach? But the next thing that David says is, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David didn't see a giant. David saw a man that did not believe in God that needed to be dealt with. And that's what fear is. The Bible tells us, if you'll read, that, that God and fear are not together. God brings love. Yeah. Fear is not of God. So that fear that you have is completely opposite of what God is. So that moment that that fear is created in your mind, I'm telling you right now, approach that fear, face that fear, and come to it with God. Amen. 
And that's the only way you're going to get through it. Amen. What I want to do right now is I'm going to bring a time of invitation. It's going to be a two-part invitation here. It's going to be a two-part invitation. Because I know for some of you right now that you're being faced with fear. And I know there's something, maybe it's, it, it's your job. Maybe it's just something personal in your life, some, some medical things that you're, you're not really wanting to face. Maybe it's something with your relationship. Or there's just something that you're just anxious about and you don't even know what it is. I pray today, during this invitation, that you come right here down to this altar and you bring it to God. Yes. That you surrender it. You're not going to be able to get through it on your own. You're not. And that's okay. God wants us to humble ourselves and understand that we can't do it on our own because he wants us to come to him and bring it to him. So I pray today that you bring that fear to this altar. And I pray that you surrender it all. Because then and there, you can be relieved of all that anxiety. You can no longer be dismayed or afraid. You can bring it all to him. And then for the second time, as our altar team is coming up, on the second time, or the second part of invitation, I know there's some of you that's never trusted in Jesus. And some of it may be fear because you don't even know what that means. You have no idea what that entails. But I pray you come and you find out. Some of you are afraid because what am I going to have to give up by following Jesus, I like my life, and to be honest with you, I really, I'm not sure on that. Bring it to Jesus. Because I'm I'm, I can speak only a testimony of myself and so many of those around me, that there's no greater joy and love that you'll ever receive in your life than surrendering your entire being to Jesus Christ. Amen. And I promise you that if you lean on him, he will break you of that fear. He will break you of every bit of that. So bring it right now. Surrender your fears. Surrender your life. Bring it to Jesus and trust in him. If everyone go ahead and stand on your feet, please. What I'd like to do is, you know, I understand that fear. I understand it more than any. And um, what I'd like to do right now is just, if you would, 